so check it out, it's like this. I lose, winner takes my car clean and clear. But if I win, I take the cash and I take the respect. <laughs> to some people that's more important. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, featuring the open-minded musings of two early 40s curmudgeons staring on the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Noah Tarno. Noah, how are you tonight? I am good. Nice to talk to you, Bill. Always nice to talk to you. You know, I, uh, I always get my, uh, I get my engines revved to talk to you. Yes. Noah, you push it, it into the red? I push it into the red. I use Nas. I get some of that, yes. uh, whatever that, I just, all right, yeah. So, so we're talking about you, Fast you, and Furious. You floor it. Yes, we're talking about, of course, that 1927 silent film, Fast and Furious. <laughs> I, did, I came across no, that. <laughs> sorry, no, I'm sorry. We're talking about the 1939 Busby Berkeley film, Fast and Furious, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe it was uh, Vincent Diesel starred in that one. Right. Uh, no. Oh, no, the 1955 uh, Roger Corman film, The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> you see, my friends, we have a number of options to choose from. But the the we... things you learn when you put Fast and Furious into Wikipedia as your starting point for researching something. It's amazing. Really. So with this with this vast bounty of films yes. uh, 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 that we have, we actually decided to pick the worst of them all. We looked for the more recent iteration <laughs> of the Fast and Furious. You can't... Well, no. You haven't seen the old ones. You don't know this is the worst. You're right. You could be right. But I, my hunch yeah. is telling me that we maybe right. picked the thinnest of the pickings, as it were. That's was. your hunch? Let's explore your hunch. Go ahead. We, we're looking at the Fast and the Furious franchise, uh, which is an international uh, film series that began in 2001 with The Fast and The Furious, which in turn led to seven more films afterwards. The next one was Too Fast, Too Furious with the numerals in the title. Then it was Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift with a colon, of course, very important. Fast and Furious, cutting out all the articles. The fifth one was called Fast Five. Sixth one was called Fast and Furious Six. For some reason, they ran out of cool monikers. Uh, after that, it was Fast, that no, was Furious Seven. Now, Back to the, uh, uh, the the adjectives with the number. Uh, and the final one, not the final, the most recent is The Fate of the Furious, which was a.k.a. Fast and Furious 8 for overseas releases, but that was its uh, American title. Let me just say, this plethora of film title variations has inspired uh, recently one of the Big Quiz Thing's favorite movie trivia questions, which is, there have been eight feature movies in the Fast and the Furious film series, each with a slightly different title. Which word has appeared in the titles more times? Fast or Furious. That's right. That's right. It's Furious is what showed up in more titles. It is Furious seven times versus six. Very yeah. good, sir. Cool. You yeah. get a point. I get a point. So everyone yeah. keeps scoring this one at home. So as you, as you guys already know, these films revolve around uh, pretty much indestructible people who drive flying cars. Uh, they have a rotating cast, <laughs> which pretty much centers around uh, Vincent Diesel, one Mark Vincent, yes. as we used to call no, him. No, Mark Sinclair. Isn't Mark that Sinclair. Name? I thought it was named Mark Vincent right. Sinclair, maybe. I think. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I think Vin- Vin- Vincent was his middle name. Uh, okay. Some blonde guy named Paul Walker, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, Dwayne Johnson, who came on with the fifth movie, Jordana Brewster, who is actually no longer in the franchise, from what I understand. Neither is Paul Walker. Yes, that's true. Except <laughs> we'll get to that. The choice, was, the choice was hers to leave and not his. So <laughs> yes, who else? Oh yeah, Ludacris Bridges and Tyrese Gibson. So yeah, uh, yeah. 
the movies have made an odd godly sum, perhaps explaining about how a film which started out as drag racing and only morphed into some James Bond-esque generic spy series. With that as our grounding, Mr. Noah Tarnopolsky, what, 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 what is this? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think of this? All right, I'm, I'm going to surprise you here and say I like these movies. Okay. All right. Uh, so I had never seen any of them, but it's not like I looked down on them. I really just didn't have an opinion. I'm not a car guy. Uh, and I like, you know, I like a good car chase in a movie, but it's never like the highlight for me, right? Well, like when it comes to action movies, I'd rather see a good fight scene. That kind of thrills me. But the chase scene, it was sort of take it or leave it. So Fast and the Furious is just one of these things. Obviously, I'm aware of it, but I knew so little about it. And I, so my joke before Paul Walker, sadly, at the age of 40, he died. I guess it's ironic. He died in an auto accident, yeah. not while filming a movie. So the most recent film he wasn't in, and part seven, he was. They were filming part seven when he died, so I think they finished it with CGI. And the ending scene was this kind of touching scene where his character was like quitting the racing game, and they they had this sad, you know, he, he literally walked off in the sunset. So I, I hadn't heard of him until the news came down that he had died. So I was not engaged with this movie at all. So I watched the first one from '01, and then I watched several dozen clips online from other ones and read about them. And I thought that first movie was pretty good. I didn't love it, and I'm not like a fan now, but like. It it was a solid action movie, and and I compared it a lot to. So in an earlier episode of this podcast, we look at Transformers, which is also a big you know action exploding crap uh, series that I've never been involved in, and I didn't like that at all. And I think my my greatest criticism of that was like, all right, you want crappy stuff to blow up and crazy robots and explosions and all that super so why are you giving us so many scenes of bad actors trying to have like emotional connections <laughs> i felt like fast and furious from the first film and from the bits i've seen of other films they keep the plot to a minimum and granted the plot is not great the dialogue's bad the plot is okay there were some surprises but nothing special you know they kept the plot pretty bare bones and they, they, didn't, they didn't make you wait long before they got to some other action thing. And the action scenes are well shot. They're creatively designed. I mean, these movies were fun to watch. These fights, these fight, these car chase scenes and stuff exploding. Yes, it's ridiculous. These people are indestructible. They smash head on into a tractor trailer. They crawl out through the gas tank. There's not a scratch on them. Whereas, you know, you and me can be driving five miles an hour in a Walgreens parking lot. We, we, we bump into a, a shopping cart. Everyone's crippled for life, you know? But <laughs> whatever. It's a movie. It's Hollywood. You know, also, every woman's impossibly skinny and beautiful. Every guy's either buff and tough or he's comic relief, you know? Fine. These movies aren't, like, exactly, you know, uh, pushing pushing the cause for social justice and, and gender equality. They are very, very flawed. But they are well-shot, creatively designed action scenes that are exhilarating to watch. And they don't take themselves too seriously. And I'll tell you something else compared to Transformers. Look at these movies. You got Vin Diesel, not a good actor. You got Dwayne Johnson, an okay actor. Ludacris, Tyrese, I'm putting aside Paul Walker for a minute. These guys are not great actors. Michelle Rodriguez, but you know what they have that Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox didn't in Transformers? They have star power. Charisma. Vin Diesel's apparently, yeah, Vin Diesel's apparently the dumbest guy in Hollywood, but you know what? He can command the screen. I give him credit. Dwayne Johnson has incredible star power. I love that dude. There's a reason he's one of the greatest pro wrestlers ever. Hmm. You know, Tyrese and Ludacris get the fucking job done. And Paul Walker, like watching the beginning of the first film, I'm like, this is awful. Like, these, this is like 
a, a sci-fi original movie. This is like the people who act in karaoke videos. But <laughs> you know what? Oh, as the movie went on, I watched more clips. He's all right. I mean, he's fine. And then, of course, in the first movie, you get a bit part from uh, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. I, I always love, love that. Dude. Love that guy, Ted Levine. Uh, Ted great. Levine. Yeah, I mean, he was also uh, Monk's boss and Monk. Yep. You know, maybe they are great movies. They are great cinematic entertainment. Now, I, I, I go in circles here. I know. I'm talking about the first one. A problem I have from watching watching clips of the other movies and reading about them, and I guess this was inevitable, is the first one's almost quaint in comparison. Oh, yeah. These guys are just kind of like these knockabout East L.A. drag racers, you know? They're not setting the world on fire. Yes, it's exaggerated. They're impossibly beautiful. They're impossibly tough. They're impossibly skilled. But they're not, you know, later movies, they're pulling heists and they're driving cars out of skyscrapers and into other skyscrapers. So obviously they go from just these tough and and exciting, quote-unquote, average people to, you know, James Bond in a car. Obviously, it becomes a little more ridiculous, a little more outsized. They keep the focus on making the stunts well-filmed, logically played out, exciting to watch, clever original ideas. I'm sure whoever's writing these movies is having a blast. Like, all right, how do we top the last one? How about the car smashes out of one... uh, one skyscraper and into another skyscraper. Even the the more obvious stunts is a scene in the second one where Paul Walker, uh, the a bridge, a road goes up into a bridge and he leaps off the bridge and he lands down on the road like 60 feet below. And there's this great shot. I was so impressed. You have this moment as he's about to land where the camera kind of cur- turns upside down and you see him hit the ground upside, like upside down and it immediately flips forward. And I went, wow, that was cool. I'm sure I didn't explain it at all. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But just trust me, whoever's writing this, whoever's doing the cinematography, these guys, and probably guys, these people are pros, and they're getting the job done. And I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but I'm not opposed to it. What about you? In terms of the craftsmen, you know, you, you're tipping your hand to the cinematographers. I think that those guys are probably well-trained, uh, ready to execute these incredibly Baroque shots. You know, the combination of the, the production designers, the stunt teams, uh, and the cinematographers, whoever is this designing these things, they have to reinvent the wheel every single movie. So I, I don't doubt that these craftsmen are at the top top of their game usually with any film even even films that are truly terrible a lot of people work very hard on them at a high level it's just oh i i I don't doubt that but so many big budget movies don't they might work hard the results are junk that's true no you mentioned transformers yeah the laziness of plot and design and all that uh i watched the fast and the furious the original vintage and uh i i've been tuned in i haven't seen i haven't been following this as, as it's gone along for the purposes of this i watched the first one i have been aware of because this thing suffuses pop culture it's just it's like right. dust in the air it's everywhere it makes you sneeze and, and it's just like good luck avoiding it and in that respect so something that's such a huge phenomenon is actually perfect grist for this show because it's you know it's an education for us first and foremost if anything right so i watched and the- that's our goal right it education. is our education make people always better Im- always perfecting ourselves homeschooling that's our that's yeah. our goal so i watched the first one and i watched the most recent one uh the fate of the furious the the eighth one and i've been aware of all the tick marks in between just because again I'm, i have my ears open to pop culture so i was really surprised now i guess i wasn't surprised but i was kind of perplexed uh, in the difference between the first one and the eighth 
one. Now, yeah, granted, totally. I'm missing a lot of steps along the way. However, if you would It's not a linear progression, I don't think. It's not a linear progression. I didn't miss yeah. anything by not watching the, the middle six. Uh, but the thing is, it's like, however they tortured the logic of this, you know, this, this small intestine to get from the, the, the relatively humble uh, streets of, of Los Angeles, you know, drag racing over a quarter mile to the fucking people driving cars out of uh, submarines and whatnot in, in, in the yeah. eighth one. It's, it's like, I could not imagine the thinking that went into that. It just seems so bizarre that you could spin this. Fr- it's almost like starting out with um, a Nancy Myers movie with Diane Keaton and then winding up in the end with I, one I, of the Marvel I, Comics films. You know, like I disagree. And, and you know what? I'm sorry. When I said before, a linear, it's not a linear progression. I, I take that back. It's totally a linear progression. The first movie, humble though it may be in comparison, was about amazing us with the with the feats of these guys in these souped up cars. I mean, it was car porn in a way. There was all this jargon that went over my head. If you're into cars and engines and this shit and this stuff, I'm sure you got off on it. Yeah. But I think it's a very linear progression. I mean, the movie's a hit. How do we top it? All right, let's go from a car to a tank. How do we but, top a tank? Right. But Vin Diesel going from a highwayman, right, which is essentially right. what he was in the first one, to a credentialed uh, se- se- secret agent with his pick of yeah. any vehicle on planet Earth and carte yeah. blanche seems like a stretch along the way. Right? I, I disagree. He's a hero. He's an action hero. That, hap- that happened to Batman in the comic books. He went from a guy, you know, running through the streets, punching criminals to flying to alien planets. So I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of this. I, I All right. Sorry. Fought I thought the f- I did I did think the first one was the probably the the best I, I think maybe for the first half hour I was kind of like hooting and howling there was something so refresh refreshingly cheesy and cheeky about it where I thought it yeah I thought it was knowing you know the director is this guy Rob Cohen who's kind of a hack I mean and nobody really expected a lot from this movie I mean I, I you know he had a couple of midline projects that weren't really huge some HBO original movies and I can see they just thought as a as a lark oh let's give it to this guy and you know Vin Diesel was still testing out franchises and not really sticking with them. He'd done the Riddick movies by that point. And, and Riddick was before this? Well, Pitch Black was. Uh, Riddick, oh, I think, came okay. after that. But it's like he had his choice of... Triple right. X was after this, I think. He even walked away from Fast and the Furious at one point. He took a break. Yeah, for he... The- he was well. I think the Tokyo one uh, well, actually kind of comes off as a spinoff. It's like new characters, right? Yeah, but it was two of them. It was yeah. uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, and Tokyo Drift. Right. He wasn't there, right. and he came back for the fourth one. So it's like you know, Vin Diesel. There's you can almost like see the linear. Speaking of linear um, through line of him licking his wounds and going back to these franchises right. once he flopped out on other things that no one wanted to see. But the first one, like I said, had this you know real sense of cheekiness. Like it almost seemed like a '50s movie about kids dragging yeah. cars. There was something. Very- very cla- yes, this is why when I say it might be a great movie, by that I mean it might be a great filmed Hollywood entertainment. You're coming to it to be wowed by cinematic entertainment. And that's one of the most important things Hollywood does. Uh, after about a half hour or 35 minutes, the movie took this, forgive the pun, it took like a hard right turn. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> into this real like (laughs) melodrama territory and I feel like they were actually thinking for a second that we gave a fuck about Paul Walker that we gave a fuck about Jordana Brewster and it took so long to get the car things going that it's like all of a sudden it became about the relationships and it's like oh really because I thought they kept that brief but it was so obsessed with the the plot works of the of the police officers and and you know Paul Walker who by the way Paul Walker not to speak ill of the dead but I'm, I'm about to do exactly that he makes 
Hayden Christensen look like Marlon Brando. I mean, it, no, he's not. A, he's not a good actor. He's definitely not no, a good not, actor. No, it, does, not it actor. does not work. Yeah. But but it's and like what's her name? Jordana Brewster's pretty bad too. She's pretty bad. They're all pretty bad. The worst performance I saw in any of these mm-hmm. was I don't remember which one, but there's a scene where Michelle Rodriguez gets in a fight with Ronda Rousey, mm-hmm. the MMA fighter. It might have been and the granted, seventh. She, yeah, she's not in the movie because she graduated from the Strasbourg School. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not why you cast Ronda Rousey in a movie, but man, is she a bad actor. Yeah, she can't, you know? she can't do All the All the more reason I love Dwayne Johnson. He's able to do, I mean, MMA is not WWE, and you have to be more of a performer for WWE, but, mm. you know, that he is good at both. My opinion on this kind of swerved. <laughs> Once again, when it went into this melodrama where I felt like it really thought it was, it thought that we were seriously interested in the plot works, like it was heat. It really took itself seriously. <laughs> it was a Michael Mann movie. And this, I, I, I didn't get that. I disagree with you. I, I didn't, well, I didn't you get that feeling at all. I, I just really yeah. got the impression it, it fashioned it, it fashioned itself into like an L.A. crime noir. Like you, like, and it just, at that point, everything I saw after that was so self-serious and... Was it and and yes, like you mentioned, the scripts are not good and the acting is not good. And Vin Diesel has exactly two modes. Vin Diesel either has this yeah. growly whisper or this demonstrative uh, howl for like one line. He'll yell, but and he can command a screen, and I don't know what it is. It's that it factor. You know, I actually I got to disagree with you. on I mean, really, we're going to get out of this right. in a second and go to the next topic. But I, I think that Vin Diesel is a character actor who is f- like forcing himself in, into this open doorway to keep himself as a leading man where he clearly is not built to be a leading man. Vin Diesel's best performances to the, to date are in Saving Private Ryan, which you know was a movie that wasn't even about him. He was just sort right, of cast right. as an afterthought because Spielberg thought this is an interesting guy, and he really did look like the guy he wanted. It, and he died pretty right. quickly, and it was interesting casting. And he made a movie, I want to say around 1998 or 1999, called uh, Boiler Room. Yes, Boiler Room is. I, I'm remembering he, he was good in Boiler Room. He was yes. very good in Boiler Room. He had this yeah. incredible interplay with this actor named Nicky Cat. He stopped really being interesting to me as an actor back in like 98 and he's been frozen into this idea that he just thinks he's so and you yes he's the dumbest man in hollywood he's an egomaniac he has this absolutely fanatical level of uh, uh control over these movies and and he uses it to do things like in the last movie the fate of the furious he was listed as one of the executive producers and i'm sure he said i'm gonna walk out of here unless you uh unless you put me you know give me a production credit and it's like i want to start dictating the storylines and so his character becomes the bad guy spoiler alert and so there's a scene with him like dropping tears and i was really just yeah, the ending i watched that yeah i was scrutinizing the screen to see if those were cgi tears because i know vin diesel <laughs> is not a human being with feelings and <laughs> anyway i i i can't uh, i can't co-sign this i just think I, I i i think you're <sighs> I don't know. I mean, whatever it was, the emotional scenes, maybe it's just because these people are marginally better actors. I'm, I'm, I'm comparing it to Transformers. Maybe it's because these people are marginally better actors. Well, you know, Ty- Tyrese is in both of these movies, by the way. Tyrese yeah. is in both franchises. Maybe it's because I find the plot to, to be a little more refreshing. And there were a couple twists in the first movie that, that took me by surprise. I like that. It was cliche. Um, it was cliche. All right, but they work in the moment. The film got off on the wrong foot with you. What are you smiling about? Dude, I almost had you. You almost had me? You never had me. You never had your car. Granny shifting, not double clutching like you should. 
You're lucky that 100 shot of Nas didn't blow the welds on the intake. Ask any racer, any real racer. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Like I say, I enjoyed that first movie. It doesn't mean I left going, I want more. So why eight movies? It's very simple. It has um, you know, it has a kind of like obvious blueprint. You know, it works for the hearing impaired. It works for the people who are blind. It, <laughs> it works totally for does. It, it totally audiences does. in Hungary. It is, um, I, I have a couple of notes here. There's two things I say. This is, think of this in, in the good way and the bad way. This is like a filmed Rob Liefeld comic book. And if you know what that <laughs> reference means. Also, you mentioned uh, uh, professional wrestling before vis-a-vis -vis Dwayne yeah. Johnson. I think this movie also looks like professional wrestling as a filmed movie. It's almost like a, a Vince McMahon production. It is, it is overwhelmingly masculine. It is... That it is. Looks, it looks like it's designed to... It does to not ogle. pass the Bechdel test at all. It does not pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's still chaste, right? It's like there's no nudity. Women are just yeah, these... Yeah. Um, you know, these characters that you ogle, but there's nothing even remotely uh, lascivious about what happens yeah. to them other than the yeah. fact that they're stared at in a, in a, in a like a wolf cartoonish way with the eyes that bug out. And there are moments where women kick ass, so it's, I guess it's better than nothing. But yeah. yeah, I mean, nobody has, nobody has a character, but yes, they do kick ass. Yeah, but none of the men have characters either. And to it's true, that's true. But I think to your point though, it's, it's there's something very simple about the way in which Absolutely. or clear, I should say it's clear and it's cogent. The visual vocabulary is pretty simple to understand why it is um, easily accepted by just about anybody. It doesn't over muddy up the visuals. You if you come there to see car crashes and jumps over bridges, that's what you get to see. I'm sure these films are huge in China, right? They well, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that because the last two films were actually co-produced by the China Pictures uh, Company, which All is right. the state well, apparatus. Not only do the Chinese people love these movies because they require no visual comprehension. You know, I, I think on this podcast, I might have uh, likened the, the Chinese audience to the American TV audience circa 1951 in terms of the, the complexity that they can tolerate in their Western entertainment. These movies make a lot of sense to Chinese because they just don't even bother with the dialogue. It's just, oh, right. let's watch these cars flip around uh, on an ice cube yeah. for a half hour. So yeah, I mean, so the Chinese decided we want to get on the business and they, so they actually produce these films now too it's not enough to just release them they produce them which means that they also want them to be filmed i'm sure partially in china and china territories to give it right. more of a, a stamp of authenticity right. I, I mean you know all those reasons i said it seems pretty simple why a 13 year old or a 14 year old would be into this you know the girls are pretty car crashes are, the cars themselves are handsome you know these cherry yeah. jaguars and car porn and, my friend car porn car porn yeah, I mean, so that's not a complicated question. So wh why would you say right. it's popular? Well, I, I agree with you. The only thing I'd add, you know, I definitely the this works for anyone kind of thing or any nationality. The car porn, car jargon, cargin, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not... I'm not a car guy, but a lot of people are. In fact, I was, I was just recently talking to a friend of mine who said how growing up, I said, what were your, uh, what movie stars did you have a crush on when you were a kid? Whose posters were on your wall? And she said, I had pictures of cars on the wall because I was into cars. And granted, usually it's boys who do that, but it's some girls too. So, you know, these motorheads, these people who are obsessed with engines and cars and all that, it's a lot of people. And this movie strokes that. And then they do the, the thing that is easy to understand. And I would say separating this from a lot of, you know, big and dumb and crap blowing up movies, 
I think they do it right with a level of skill and a level of craft and a level of care and a level of creativity. Uh, and this is where I think I disagree with you without taking itself too seriously, without biting off more than they can chew emotionally. Yo, Dom, why'd you bring the buster here? Because the buster kept me out of handcuffs. Uh, would you have liked this when you were a kid? Well, I want to say no, because I wasn't into cars. You know, I didn't look forward to having a car as a grown-up. It wasn't a big deal for me. You know, I had Matchbox cars and all that, but, like, I wasn't like, yeah, I want to get a really hot sports car. The car porn, the cargan wasn't, wouldn't have been my thing. So I want to say, like, ah, I wouldn't have cared just the way I haven't cared, even though I've been aware of these movies the last 15 years or whatever. But having watched it and gotten some pleasure from it, I imagine if part one had come out when I was eight and not 26, I would have uh, been more likely to have watched it just because I saw more crappy movies then. More likely to have discovered its joys early on and more likely to have gone back for more. So I might have enjoyed it. I don't think I would have been like into it. This is one of my favorite movies. I'm going to buy the DVD. So I guess the short answer is, nah, not really. But you never know. What about you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I totally would have been down with this. That's the answer. Really? Why maybe, is that? Maybe some of my um, my feelings today is based on self-loathing, looking back at, like, the 14-year-old me. <laughs> well, part of it was that I, I, had, um, I was down for every single big release that came out as a kid. I had no critical faculty other than the fact that if it was a big movie, I assumed it was a good movie because it was a popular movie. Right. Well, why would Hollywood ever steer you wrong? Exactly. But these, this, would yeah. have been, this would have been one of those, uh, franchises for sure. I mean, I wouldn't have held it up like Star Wars, but it certainly would have been, you know, uh, something I went and, I went and saw at the uh, Long Island Multiplex, no doubt. I don't think I had a, a visual glossary for like car crashes or or even an idea of like who a good actor was and a bad actor was when I was 13 years old. This just would have like filled in a couple of those easy boxes. I mean, to a degree that that goes back to why it was popular. I think it's totally designed for who I was and for whoever there is now. It is the uh, just about the ultimate type of entertainment for a 13-year-old boy. The money bears out that more than 13-year-old boys see this, uh, but that's a large component of its audience. I think that it is the, the bulk of it was like me watching films like this, devouring the cars, the, the sense of bigness to it, you know? So I could easily see having fallen into the, the trance. And, you know, I, like, I wish that I could watch this now and somehow reclaim what it was like to see this movie when I was 14 before I had a critical faculty. I mean, there's plenty of movies now that I like today that I would have liked when I was a kid and I have the same level of enjoyment. And then there are those movies that I could have only enjoyed when I was a kid. This franchise was one of them. You've lost touch with, with young Bill. Yes. youthful joie de vivre. I think I may have drowned him. I think he may be in a well somewhere. Listen to me. Me, I'm a cop. What is this? Ever since the first time I met you, I've been undercover. I'm a cop. Mia! Get off of me, Brian! Mia, listen to me! Everything I ever said I felt about you was real. I swear to God. Is the runaway, no pun intended, success of the Fast and the Furious films, eight films in 16 years, and by the way, I believe the ninth is coming out next year, 2019, 2020, uh, is the runaway success of this series a sign of the impending or recent apocalypse or various apocalypse? I'm kind of getting the impression that it is, and, and I, you know, really, I, I would almost, if you asked me about whether or not the fact that they're going to kick out a Star Wars movie every 17 minutes, I might actually be inclined to say that too. <laughs> 
is a version of the apocalypse and and maybe it's strictly cinematically in that at one point you know a movie like this you'd get two or three of them and that would be the end of it eight i mean jesus how long did it take james bond to get to eight films a long time i mean that's I you know, know but was... did but look uh, all right finish because i i you're totally wrong about that. no that it merits this many films i mean it it's I just merits. It's Hollywood. It's not about merit. I know. It's about but if, what people want to watch. If you think about the great franchises of films, it's like there are more Fast and Furious movies than there have, than are Frankenstein films. You know. Okay. First of all, that's not true. All right. That's it feels not true. true. It feels There's true. There's no way that's true. Fucking Frankenstein. I mean, it's a character everyone knows. There've probably been thousands of Frankenstein. Films. I don't know about that. Well, like either way. My point is, though, is that this movie, there's so much of it, which is one thing, but then it spawns a whole culture of imitation. Uh, not only that, but then, like the producer of this film is a guy named Neil Moritz, who is this you know, real middle-brow to low-brow type producer. And, and his idea of, of making a movie is, is take it and put a car crash in it. And like, for instance, he uh, produced the Green Hornet movie with uh, Seth yeah. Rogen. That was and terrible. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Yeah, really and for sad. the most part, they turned... The, the, the reason why they made that is because Neil Moritz said, I'm going to take this movie and turn it into Fast and Furious. So it wound up becoming a car porn movie. It had these long, loving shots of Seth right. Rogen driving around in the Green, Lant- in the Green Hornet mobile. The Black Beauty, my friend. A Black classic Beauty. car. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's like, I see that this guy has gone down the line and made these films with all this similar tone. You know, and, and it spreads. And it's not a huge apocalypse. But again, it's something that, you know, hones the movie business. It, it almost like takes tributaries away and, and, and makes it into something more... Con- like, you, you can make one of four different types of movies. And this is one of the four types of movies you can make now. Where I felt like in the old days, maybe you can make 12 types of movies. And they just, like, consolidated the types of films that get huge blockbuster releases. And, you know, where in the old days it used to be, you actually could watch a piece of middle-brow fiction like Pelican Brief, right? Directed by Sidney Pollack. They don't make movies like that anymore because they make movies like this instead. Is that true? They made, yes. they made The Post? They made I, Tanya. Those are they not made... big movies. Those are tiny, tiny tadpoles that and were made. And the Pelican Brief was bigger than those? Pelican Brief was huge. The Pelican really? Brief. Yep. For the day and age it was made, right. it was a gigantic release. The and day it, and it... age back in the mid-1990s. Well, it was, but that was was considered before i mean not that they weren't making jurassic park but the thing is it's like they did make adult movies for grown-ups like the pelican brief you know uh, john grisham adaptations that was a a, you know which cost anywhere from 15 to 20 million dollars and it would make 90 million dollars so it would make its budget back now these movies have to cost 138 million and they have to make a billion which the pelican brief can't do anymore it just kills another potential Sidney pollack type adult film from being made at any point down the I think you're thinking about there are too many sequels to this. You're forgetting what Hollywood used to be like. There were like 20, you know, uh, Lewis and Martin movies. There were probably 10 Bing Crosby and Bob Hope movies. But, you know, Bob Hope, everyone loved Bob Hope back then, right? Mm -hmm. He was a great star of his time. I'm not saying those are bad movies. I'm saying they're inconsequential movies. I don't think simply the fact that Fast and Furious has had eight movies refers to the denigration of culture or Hollywood. I repeat my point, it is a Hollywood entertainment. You're expecting too much if you want every hit film series to have something deep to say about the human condition or to be something that you think about philosophy. You know, it makes you sit in the coffee shop afterwards and, and discuss the meaning of life. You know, not mm-hmm. that the Pelican Brief did that, but you know what I'm talking about. It, it might be of a piece of a larger problem that the only thing that gets through to people anymore is shit blowing up. And it used to be that explosions could be smaller, that 
Dracula arching his eyebrow was scary, and now Dracula needs to feast on someone's flesh. I mean, we're talking just the fact that it takes more to, like, stir people up. So maybe that's Apocalypse, and it takes more to stimulate us now, but I wouldn't lay it at the feet of Fast and the Furious. I think it is, of its time, a series that makes the most of the cinematic genre to show people a big, colorful, exciting, over-the-top, unrealistic spectacle. That's the word. With cars. Yeah. We're so excited to welcome one of Hollywood's brightest creative talents, the screenwriter behind this summer's blockbuster, the new Fast and the Furious movie, Fast Five. Chris Morgan, thanks for Hi. joining us. Hi, Chris. Now, Chris, these Fast and the Furious movies are just getting bigger and better. So when you sat down to write this installment, were there certain elements you wanted to include? The car went out of the train, and then there's a hole in the train. Uh -huh. And then the, the car brought the box, then the police went after them, then the, the, the box hit the car, then, then it crashed into the ocean. Is your dislike, whatever it is, based in jealousy? All right, so what did I say I don't like about it? I thought the dialogue was stupid. Uh, yeah, so here's the jealousy, right? You know, this world where every guy's a badass, every guy's tough, every guy, you know, pulls it out in a pinch, and every woman is impossibly skinny and beautiful. I mean... Everyone feels jealousy for that, but then you realize that it's such an absurd view of the world that it's not jealousy. I also wish I knew how to fix a car. I, I, I'm a little jealous, yeah, but that's it. What about you? Because you hate it more than me, man. Are you jealous? I'm jealous of the old version of me who could watch something like this without, uh, you know, without too much uh, prejudice. I, I'm not losing something by not really being tied into this. So it's hard to say that, you know, my dislike is based in jealousy. It's more just based on a taste thing. As as so often comes down, it, it comes down to in this podcast. It's like I don't like something because it runs contrary to my taste. And so it's really hard to just buy into it based on that, that sort of thing. So it's, again, I don't think it's a very complex answer. These are movies. Movies are my wheelhouse. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like I've, I've made it a, a bed of expertise for myself just because I've dedicated so much time to scholarship of films. And, and so this is just one of those things where it's hard to watch and just be neutral about because I right. just don't because find a lot of it entertaining. Right. It's an art you love. You feel it's denigrating the art form. See, this is where we fundamentally disagree. I think it is in the, in the grand tradition of the art form. It depends what you consider the art of cinema to be. All right. So if you'd like to find past episodes, look on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Show. Write to us at it at gmail.com. Visit idontgetitpodcast.com. Give us a review. If you're looking for me, I'm on Twitter at William Scurry. Uh, and Mr. Noah Tarno? Bigquizthing.com. Let's leave it at that, okay? Yeah. Okay, yes. let's leave it at that. Bigquizthing.com. The big quiz. That works. Until next week, guys, I don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2018.